Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to another episode of our Best Kept Secret show, where I am happy to welcome Josh Goldberg. Josh is the partner in charge of the chemical, pharmaceutical, and biotech practice areas of NAF. Goldberg and Meyer. Josh prepares, acquires, and protects U.S. and foreign patents. So he is an intellectual property attorney. And Josh is normally based in Brooklyn, New York City. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks so much, Jay. It's great to be here with you. Like you, and this is something probably our audience doesn't know, but like Josh, he and I were both undergraduate majors in chemical engineering. And my very first uh, real job was with the DuPont company. And my first day on the job, Josh, they gave me a notebook. And they said to me, you must write down everything that you do when you're working because it might be relevant to a patent application that we have to make. And at that young age, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is really serious stuff. Like, I got to be really careful. But it really showed me from the very beginning of my career, which was a few years ago, just how important patents and protecting your intellectual property is. And clearly today, if you look at the value, business value of most businesses, be they large public companies or even privately held companies, most of the value is in their intellectual property where patents are one component of that. And that is really where value in today's digital world is increasingly coming from. But there's a problem that I have seen, Josh, which is in talking to lots of business owners, the frustration about how long it takes to get a patent. Many people have told me it's taking them years. They're frustrated with it. They are sitting there often wondering, is it worth it? Because the world of technology tends to move far more quickly than it's than the time it takes for them to actually get the patent issued by the Patent and Trade Office. Now, this is your expertise. You're one of the top practitioners in this field. Is Are their feelings legitimate? Well, Jay, you know, that's really interesting that you have that perspective because I hear from many people, in fact, I would say most people, are under the impression that that patent process takes a really long time to complete. And with good reason. Because let's face it, it takes anywhere from two to four years on average from the time you file your patent application to the time you get your patent. All right. So just like you, I hear from an increasing number of frustrated people about this. Why? Because this can cause many problems from uncertainty to what property the companies own, lack of clarity as to what technology should be invested in all the way to concern that by the time his patent is granted, 
technology will have moved on and the patent will have little to no value. So yes, this is something that is a very real concern. You know, Josh, I, I was, uh, before starting Centricity, uh, in a previous life, I was involved in a venture-backed startup that had a big tech component. And um, of course, we filed for a patent protection. We got our very famous patent pending. And the investors that we were pitching sort of just rolled their eyes. And they're like, when do we know it's for real? Because guys, this is a primary reason we're investing in the company uh, due to the tech. So here, Josh, one of my questions is, why is it taking so long? There are a few different reasons. Uh, number one, a lot depends on the specific technology you're involved with, right? So if you have a simple widget, for lack of a better word, let's say, you know, uh, a pen, a new pen with a new piece of ink, that's a very simple technology. That will take less time because it's an area, technology area, where there's less innovation, less happening. There's less, fewer filings at the patent office. If instead you're involved in something like software, as an example, you have everybody and their brother has a new software invention. So many of them file their patent applications for it, and the U.S. Patent Office cannot keep up with the number of examiners they have so everything gets delayed and delayed and delayed. And that's just to get the process started, right? Once the process is started, you now have to convince your patent examiner, yes, I'm entitled to a patent. And depending on who the examiner is, what kind of instructions they've gotten, and again, what type of technology you're in, they might just reject and reject and reject. You know, so Josh, I don't want to wallow in misery here. I am hoping, fingers crossed, that you have a solution. What is it that people can do to get this process speeded up to really secure the viability of their intellectual property? Well, you're absolutely correct about that, Jay. Uh, there is a way to short circuit the entire process. So there's a little known program at the patent office where if you pay an extra fee, because as we all know, the U.S. government likes its fees, you'll be taken out of turn and get through the process within one year. Think about that. I just said it's two to four years on average. I'm telling you by paying some extra money, you can get done within one year. Now, of course, this is no guarantee you will actually get the patent you still need to meet all the normal requirements. But at least you know where you stand by the end of that year. And if you're using this for fundraising to protect your assets or your markets, you know what you need to do by the end of that year, one way or the other. There's such a big cost to uncertainty for any business. And, and I just want to emphasize the point that you made. This doesn't guarantee you a favorable outcome but it gets you resolution. It is a way to resolve uncertainty, if I'm hearing you right, 50 to 75% quicker than going through the normal channels. Uh, and, and Josh, just order of magnitude, how much are we talking about this extra fee? That all depends If on your company size. So if you're a big company, it's an extra $4,000, give or take a little bit. If you're a small company, 
you pay half that, an extra $2,000. If you're what's called a micro entity, the smallest of the small, it's an extra $1,000. And I have to tell you, Jay, when I just recently, two, three weeks ago, I lose track of time in the pandemic world, but I was talking with a software company based out of the UK and I was just telling him about this program. He asked me what the cost was. I said, for your size, it's an extra thousand dollars. He says, what? I was expecting you to tell me $20,000. I can't believe that I can do this for such a cheap price. Yeah, that, that it, it is stunning. I was thinking you're going to tell me five, even six figures to get that uh, kind of uh, expedited service. It, it, I, I don't want to trivialize any sum of money, but if there is such a thing as de minimis, really uh, pennies, uh, it, it's got to be this. But let me talk about that's the cost side. But Josh, let me ask you about the benefit side. What do you see the benefits to a company uh, and the decision maker for being able to rapidly accelerate the decision making process? Well, there are quite a few. Just to, to name some of them, and there are more, if you're a smaller company, even a medium-sized company, you're looking to sell your company or get investment, no different than you were just saying in your story, Jay, whoever might invest will treat a patent in hand very differently than patent pending or even no patent, no sense of IP. The way I like to put it is, you're looking for investment in some way, shape, or form. And you're going to be going out there talking to people, and they're going to say, well, what's your IP position? And you can say, oh, yeah, I'm working on it. I've been thinking about it. What's IP? And your ask just keeps going down and down and down. Or you could say, I have this patent. I have that patent. Here's my strategy. Here's what my portfolio looks like. And your ask is just going to keep going up, up, and up. And let me tell you, if you're a company with any international aspirations and you have, say, three or four different technologies, but you can only afford one or two of them, how do you know which ones are the ones that are worthwhile to pursue and to put your money behind? Well, if you know the U.S. Patent Office got, gave you a patent, that's a pretty good sign that that's worthwhile investing in around the world versus your other technologies that maybe you're not so lucky. Why spend the, the five or six figures like you were talking about on a guess? Why not just go ahead and know and spend your investment wisely? And, and you know, my experience with anyone looking to raise money is a really strong portfolio of IP covers up a lot of sins. There'll be a lot of things an investor would say, oh, we can fix that. Oh, we can fix that. We can get you this type of skill, this type of, um, uh, you know, employee, this location. But what they can't wave their hands and do is get you the IP. So uh, really, I think it's the foundation of, of really any business in terms of of its value. What about for the person who's got to be, you know, running the company uh, in charge of finance, in charge of value? Talk a little about emotionally what's going on when they're on the long track versus the short track. Yeah, you know, the, the short track, of course, is it helps you sleep at night. 
you don't know where your next money is coming from, your next investment is coming from. Now you have a little more peace of mind. It's a little easier. But let's say you're like many other companies these days. You have talent and you have some really good talent. You'd like to keep them or you'd like to attract more talent. If you're able to get patents in their name, get the nice certificate you put up on the wall, make a big deal out of it to your company, I've got to tell you, employees, inventors, researchers, they all love seeing that, right? It's a small thing. It means a lot when you're talking about how you treat your employees and what kind of company you are. I've seen companies that have the wall of fame, patent plaque after patent plaque after patent plaque, and inventors will compete with each other. Hey, I'm on the wall in three spots. You're only on there in two. What have you been doing lately? Uh, it almost becomes a game. And as we all know, premium talent is at a premium right now. There's no way that you can guarantee you can keep your people, you can attract new people. You do everything you can. And this is one of those things you can do. Well, I, I don't want to date myself, but I remember the very first day I showed up at DuPont and, you know, they told me who my supervisor was going to be. And he, he was this older engineer and like, whatever, right? I'm a 20, 21 year old kid and everybody in the hallway is whispering to me, he invented Dacron. He's a god, right? You are so lucky because he mentors one new engineer a year and you won the lottery because, and he was revered because of his ability to create IP that moved the needle for DuPont and DuPont showed their love back to him. So uh, I, I couldn't emphasize that more, Josh, is that if you're running a business, it's we're in a talent world, right? People who can create IP for you value beyond belief. And, uh, you know, the other thing, Josh, I, uh, just to transition, the ROI, you know, you started by talking about how low the cost was to expedite and, you know, which translates into this huge reduction of uncertainty, plus all the benefits, both hard benefits and the emotional benefits that you talked about. Uh, the case to me is, is overwhelming. The ROI, it, you know, at some point you have so many zeros, it's not worth even trying to calculate it all out. So, all right, I'm there. What do I need to do? You know, it's interesting you ask that because the process really looks very similar for a normal patent application. You start with your patent search to make sure that your invention and technology actually is new. Nobody else has done it before. Then you move to drafting your patent application, making sure the inventors are in agreement with what is being said. And then finally, you file your patent application. Now, here's where it gets a little different. So you have to pay that extra fee I mentioned because, again, the government likes its fees. But you also need to submit an additional petition to participate in this accelerated examination program. And this is where it gets really tricky because the petition has to be done absolutely 100% correctly the first time. If not, you're not in the program. You're out. You have to pay the fees in the right way, and it's kind of a bifurcated fee. If you don't do it right, guess what? You're not in the program. You're out. So uh, it, 
it's easy and simple if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing and you're going to do it on a whim, I can bet, I'm willing to bet you're going to run into a pitfall. That's why they call it government bureaucracy. Do it their way or the highway. Yep. And you know what they say, um, the best kind of correct if you're a government bureaucrat is technically correct. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, Josh, I have to tell you, uh, you know, I always knew about patents, the importance of patents. I've heard the frustration. This is the first time someone has really shown there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And in fact, that tunnel is a whole lot shorter than most people think. Now, when we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Josh and what Josh actually does. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 1 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back, everyone. Let's take some time, find out a bit more about Josh. Now, Josh, you, you talked to us about this program. Clearly, I know this is a major pain point. You are on top of it, um, a great resource to get that done. But I know that there's more that you do for your clients beyond that. Talk to us a bit about some of the pain points that you solve for your clients and why is it that they need you to help them get rid of that pain? Well, Jay, you know, in addition to getting patents quicker for people, one of the things I briefly touched on was the whole sense of international protection. If you get a U.S. patent, guess what? That means you're protected here in the U.S. and here in the U.S. only. If you want to have sales in Germany or Japan or Korea, you need to get patents in each of those countries. And that's a real area of expertise for my firm. I do not know anybody who does the international protection of patents better than we do. We have a huge network of associates that we've built up by traveling over the years. And this is where the past 18 months has gotten really difficult for me because I have not gone anywhere outside of the country since February of 2020. So I've been doing a lot of Zoom calls early in the morning, late at night, talking with people in China or Australia to make sure I don't lose all those relationships with people. In fact, one of my clients is the U.S. government, the U.S. Department of Agriculture. I do all of their non-U.S. patent work for them. They have a whole internal team of people to do U.S. work. They have no capacity to do external work outside the country. I fill that gap for them. I do that for many other people too. 
No, Josh, I, I just want to interrupt you here because I, I really think this is, you know, and, and maybe we'll, we'll do another show with you talking about this issue. But really briefly, the standards to patent in this country, you know, how they judge versus most international companies is countries is different. And, you know, just real briefly, if here I am in, for example, the United States, I've done everything I should to protect myself. I am just going to guess because competition is fierce. You've got foreign competitors trolling patent applications and seeing if they basically can legally steal your IP and freeze you out of certain international markets because they get those patents on your work that you don't. So just real briefly, a little bit of education on that. Oh, absolutely. There is a whole industry on patent mining. And sometimes it's for a completely benign reason, right? You want to figure out where I need to take my research. You look to see what other people have done in patents. That's great. Then you get into less benign reasons. Okay, so what have people done in the US or what have people patented in Germany or Europe? Gee, have they protected that invention anywhere else? No? Well, let's manufacture that product here in China or in India or in Vietnam. And now we can export it to the U.S., maybe do something a little different, and now we avoid the patent entirely, depending on what it is. Or maybe the U.S. is the biggest market, but really the second biggest market is, oh, I don't know, Japan. They didn't bother to protect their Japanese market. Let's just sail in Japan, take all the sales from, from the innovator. We didn't have to spend any money. We can charge a lot less for it and still make a ton of money. How does that help the innovator company? Not one bit. And, and Josh, first to file versus first to invent. Well, that used to be a bigger deal when you started at DuPont because the U.S. was first to invent. Most of the rest of the world was first to file. Now, for about 10 years or so, the U.S. has moved to a first-to-file system, just like the rest of the world. But it's kind of a first-to-file plus. There are still options where if you can show somebody stole the idea from you and filed first, they might not have rights anymore. But that's one way where you really need to know what are the laws in each country and what does it mean for me. And it also suggests to me, time is of the essence. If you have intellectual property, you can't be sitting on it because someone could file before you and game over on your end. Well, I have a story about that. Back in the day, and this is going back a while, back to 1995, when there's a, there was a GATT treaty that we entered into. June 8th was the day where if you filed before June 8th, you got a longer potential patent term than if you filed June 8th or after. And we had a client where our philosophy as a firm is you file the day before if you can, the day before the deadline. So we went and being so close to the patent office, we hand carried our patent applications to the patent office, got our filing date, got our patents eventually, life was good. Our client's competitor had essentially the same technology. They used a courier service because they were based up in Boston. The courier service came down to the patent office 
it being the day before the law changed, there were many, many, many people waiting in line to get their applications in file. Courier service looked at the line and said, eh, I could come back tomorrow. No big deal. We had rights by one day. That one day mattered. We got the patent. The competitor didn't. Josh, you alluded to something I want to just hone in a little bit, which is my, my second question. Talk to me about what makes you and your firm great at what you do. In addition to all the things I talked about, our international experience, uh, our ability to get you patents quickly. We're unlike most lawyers I know in that we genuinely want to know what the business is of our clients. We're in this for the long term. We turn down work right and left from clients who come to us, get me a patent, do this, do that. Well, what's the business purpose behind this? Well, I don't know, but it's something new that's out there. So let's do it. You need to give me a little more. Come on. Come on. Why is there a product here? Is this a defensive reason where you know somebody else is working in the same area? Why are we doing this? I am not somebody who wants to take my client's money just to take their money and maximize my billings. I want to be a true partner with my clients. I encourage everybody, go to LinkedIn, look up Josh, understand all the different things he's done in his career. And, and by the way, he's far from done, far from over. But Josh, I want to know what, what happened in life, personal, professional, that took a fellow Pison chemical engineer, and now you are a name partner in a top intellectual property firm. So how, how did that happen? Well, Jay, like you, I have my chemical engineering degree. And like you, I started working in industry. And I went to school in St. Louis at Washington University. And I had my job at a very small company out in St. Louis where we did drug delivery work. So what does drug delivery work mean? It doesn't mean I call somebody and half an hour later, a bunch of cannabis shows up at my door. <laughs> what it means is that the big pharma boys, people like Pfizer or Merck, who developed these new drugs, new active ingredients, they would come to us and say, okay, we have something to treat your stomach or to treat cancer or to treat your heart. We need to make sure it gets to the part of the body that it needs to get to. Please help us. So I was running spray dryers and coming up with solutions. How do you tablet this? How do you capsule this? How do you coat it? So if it needs to dissolve in the intestines versus the stomach versus something where you keep it in your mouth and it dissolves in your mouth. I did that for two years. It was a great experience. I would never turn down. Uh, I would also never want to replicate it. You know, it taught me, if nothing else, I was not put on this earth to be a bench scientist or a bench chemist. So I look around, okay, this is not for me. What else do I do with my chemical engineering degree? And while I was at university, I had a professor, not in my major. He has actually taught a class called the internal combustion engine because I also like cars. And he would like to tell us stories to his class about his patent lawyer buddy had his private ranch in Colorado that he took his private helicopter to with his half dozen or so fancy cars. 
And I'm thinking to myself, gee, you know, I, I can do all these things. This might not be a bad career move for me. So I came back east, came to Washington, D.C. to go to law school here at GW University, George Washington University, thinking, well, all I have to do is go to law school and I get all these things. Great. Life didn't quite turn out that way. Uh, I don't have a ranch in Colorado. If I had a helicopter to take me there, I'd probably be too scared to get into it because I have a fear of heights. And my fancy car is a mini clubman. So if you consider that fancy, I guess I have the fancy car. But I can't complain. Uh, it's been a very good journey, and I like what I do. I love what I do. I get to work with new technology every day, but not have to make it myself. Josh, you have really, I think, enlightened me, enlightened our audience, and given us a different way to look at the patent process. And it not, you know, it's that proverbial light at the end of the tunnel. But more than that, it's the fact that you have figured out how to shorten that tunnel, which is really attractive. I'm going to guess there are plenty of people out there that are saying, I need to learn more about this. I want to continue the discussion with Josh. So, Josh, how best for people to reach out to you? Of course, I am on email like everybody else is. I'm on email constantly. You can email me at jgoldberg at nathlaw.com. I also spend a lot of time on LinkedIn where I'm Joshua B. Goldberg, all one word. So it's very easy to find me either way. Well, to make it even easier, we're going to put Josh's contact information in our show notes in the video. I really encourage people reach out. He is amazing when it comes to not just understanding the law, but he's a good human being and we can use all of those that we can find. So Josh, thank you so much for being on The Best Kept Secret. To all of you guys, let's continue to crush it out there. Until next time.